Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and I'm sharing what I think is a pretty fun episode today that is going to put a bow on my thoughts on Baker Mayfield and really my conversations on him uh, for for the season, uh, off-season, and into, into the season, serious conversations, I should say. We'll see when those conversations are serious in 2022. Uh, we'll see what shakes out in terms of the timeline, but... Uh, There was only one person that most people wanted me to have a discussion with on the topic, and that's Pete Smith of SI Browns Digest. I I don't think it's a secret that Pete and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum here, not as far apart as some people think, but opposite ends of the spectrum of who we think of Mayfield as a player. Obviously, you guys know the Russell Wilson news today, so Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, both uh, make their decisions. Russell waving his no-trade clause to be traded to Denver and Aaron returning for a large amount of money to Green Bay, those were the most plausible, clear upgrades that warranted feeling comfortable giving up the type of money that was uh, in in draft capital. shouldn't say money, but draft capital. Well, money in Aaron's case, that you would be comfortable giving up to get a guy. So uh, this is like my opinion has evolved, and I am pretty much on the side of now like Mayfield coming back and seeing what shakes out for this year is probably the most likely path i i still just don't love what it does to the immediate and the future by punting on important picks to bring in a quarterback who might not be a massive upgrade and i'm going to talk about all of this here in just a minute on the pod but i wanted to kind of clarify that aware of the news it's a part of our conversation and my opinion has likely evolved on this from the last time you heard me where i do just think now like the most logical path is they run it back with Mayfield. So, you know, you're not set in stone your opinion one day to the next. You try to think things through from a larger scope, and that's what I tried to do here. Pete is fantastic. We're also joined by Nicole, who does the For Pete's Sake podcast with Pete. We urged her to join to be a breakup voice in the uh, the long run-on uh, points Pete and I try to make, and she does a great job as uh, she always does on the podcast there with Pete uh, being a different voice, a different angle, different perspective, and I appreciated that in this show. So this is a great show. You should uh, you should read Pete's work at SI. You should definitely listen to For Pete's Sake. This pod is also posted over there. Uh, I think they do great stuff, and you should obviously, like I said, make sure you check out their work and follow along. Uh, great perspective on the Browns, different from mine. So this is a fun episode. I really like where the conversation went. We saw a lot of things pretty similarly. I laid out all of my concerns with Mayfield once again and painted what I think has to happen in 2022 for us to feel like change has happened one way or the other. So we'll see. Like I said, the only other person people have been asking me to have this conversation with. So this will end my perspective on quarterback discussions, point blank period, until we get more 2022 evidence one way or the other. So, without holding back any more, let's get over to our conversation with Nicole and Pete about Baker Mayfield. Okay, so we're back with another episode of For Pete's Sake, and uh, this week, uh, Nicole is here, back from vacation, uh, and refreshed and recharged, so so recharged that she thought we were recording today, even though we she had wanted to wait another week. That's how 
back she was and ready to go. Um, I missed you. I miss our people. Yes. I, I, well, I appreciate that. Uh, but in addition to that, we also are joined by Jake Burns of the Orange and Brown Report. Um, and, you know, this is sort of in large part a continuation of a discussion we were sort of having last week when I was over there uh, do, talking about uh, the, the mock drafts and, and some stuff and how we view things. And so, you know, something that we've, we have been meaning to get to, but just haven't um, for no real good reason, just haven't um, is discussing Baker Mayfield because there is this weird vibe. Like there are people who like me, there are people who like Jake and there are people who like both of us and have this impression that like, we are very opposite ends of the spectrum on, on Baker Mayfield. When the reality is we're like, we're, we're on different ends of the less spectrum, but it's like, yeah. it's much yeah. closer together than, than people realize. Like yeah. um, Jake has largely presented concerns he has with Baker Mayfield, but he's not sitting there rooting against Baker Mayfield. Like he's doing what, you know, what, what you do when you watch tape, you can't help but notice trends that jump out at you. And, and, and when you do that over and over and over again, like this thing stands out to you and you're going, this is wrong. It needs to be fixed. And when it doesn't get fixed, you're sitting there going, is this going to get fixed? And if it's not, then this is sort of going to be a situation that ultimately results in the player failing. Uh, And so when, when, when Jake talks from that standpoint, I'm not sitting there thinking he hates Baker Mayfield and wants him to fail. Um, but the, the, this podcast just happens to coincide with the fact that the Seattle Seahawks just traded Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. Um, I, you know, both Jake and myself would agree if there was a feasible way for the Browns to have come away with Russell Wilson, we were both on board. Like he's going to be I in the hall also of fame. on board. I will. I was, yeah. I was also on board. Like it just he, wasn't going to happen. Yeah, he's going to end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, like, understand, he's, you know, people are sort of like getting bored with him, that he's not mm-hmm. like maybe as in that echelon that maybe he was earlier. And that's not because he's gotten worse. It's because his team was a glorified CFL roster this past year. Like, they are a garbage team right now with a couple of good players. Um and there were a couple of years where Russell Wilson was taking a team. I remember one year, and I don't remember which specific year it was, where Ben Albright, who, who I think very highly of, predicted the Seattle Seahawks were going to have the first pick in the draft because he looked at their roster and said, this is awful, and not even uh, Russell Wilson can save it. The Seahawks made the playoffs that year because they have that good of a quarterback. But we also recognize the fact that, one, beyond the fact that Russell Wilson had a no trade clause and was straight up saying no, the Browns just aren't in a position where they can give up enough to pay off somebody like that and be good enough to then win. Like there was this sort of attitude that the Los Angeles Rams have sort of showed the way of how teams can win. And they won the Super Bowl after getting Matt Stafford. And so it looks super reasonable there were two games, both, both the last two games of the playoffs where they were very close to losing, whether it was the NFC Championship against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Super Bowl against the Bengals. And had that happened, the entire thing was a complete disaster. That's how thin the margin was. Now, they won, so it works. 
But this is the same process the Broncos are going. And they have a little bit more leeway. They also have actually, everybody's been touting the Rams and their approach. The Broncos actually have more experience following this plan than maybe anybody else does because they do it routinely. And the turnaround time between the high highs and the low lows is actually pretty quick for them. This isn't the first time they're going to be pulling this off, right? And so, I, I mean, it's funny because there's been a lot of focus on like what the front office for the Rams was doing this year and how it's so different from what everybody else is doing. And as much as I'm not a big John Elway fan in multiple respects as a player, as a human, as a GM. Is he a fan um, of this move? I don't know. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Um, But He's now outside. He has an outside job now. But what I was going to say is he is very familiar with cleaning out a bunch of space and then really quickly amassing a ton of talent to go win a Super Bowl and then turning around and being good for as long as he can with those people for as long as he can keep them together and then turning around and doing it all over again right and I would assume that him and George Patton are for the most part like pretty much on the same uh page when it comes to that stuff and so you know and so here we go again uh it's like 2016 in my house all over again, Pete. I kind of just want to throw up. Well, yeah. I mean, certain people who are related to you by marriage are probably a little happier than you would like at, the, at this particular circumstance. Uh, but with Russell Wilson Dunn, who uh, to me was the one guy you could so, sort of make the argument that if the Browns were going to go for it, he was the guy you could do that with. But, and I'll run it by you, Jake. If, is is Kirk Cousins un- good enough for you to, to to really elevate this team? To give up substantial yeah. capital to elevate this team? Yeah, you're sort of operating answering that question in some gray areas, right? What is the actual request? What do they really want for him? What is the cap number Kirk expects on a trade? Does he want a long-term deal? I, as we sit here, I have started to shift toward I've always believed Mayfield being back was the highest probability. I just always did, even yeah. with concerns, right? I just always did. And I think anybody who thought otherwise, that was just wishful thinking because you're, you're, you know, you're either trying to drive conversation, which is fine, uh, or, or try to uh, anger people, which is, again, if, you, if that's your way of engagement, that's totally cool. But like, I don't, I don't think you can sit here and, and ju- like, okay, let's look at Denver, for example, uh, t- today. Why do the Broncos make sense to Russell Wilson? Well, hey, I know the team I'm going to is going to have to give up a lot to get this done, but look at what they have. They got two really good receivers who I believe in, ready to go. What did Tom Brady like about Tampa? Hmm. Two pretty good wide receivers ready to rock and roll. You got some other guys in the running back position that you like a lot. Williams, young player, right? The offensive line's respectable. Uh, you, you talk about the defense has always seemed to play well in Denver. Even if you give up Shelby Harris, you still got some pieces. So like Cleveland did not have that element so they're not ready for that right they don't have the wide receivers in place they would have been selling and i'm sure maybe they did sell russell wilson on like here's our plan maybe they got that chance maybe they didn't i don't know but this is the thing they're they're operating in conjecture they don't know what it's going to end up shaking out to be ultimately so cleveland was not in the position to do that and i feel like as i sit here right now 
I think that everything points toward running back a lot of this stuff as I've kind of gathered my thoughts after my Austin Hooper meltdown last night. Like you, you have made good points on this, Pete. They want to honor contracts. They want to run this thing back because of what 2020 happened. And that wasn't a fluke in their mind. And they want to run it back and see if they can get it right with everybody healthy. I have a hard time envisioning the quarterbacks of the Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, mold and based on the and there's escalating tiers of what all those guys would demand in return i think Derek's going to re- demand more than kirk uh, and i think those are kind of i don't know am i forgetting anybody there those seem like the only two real tradable guys left like mm-hmm. those guys are not elevating you because you have to give up similar big time assets that we all sit here and say they need these assets to improve the 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 ability of the quarterback to play well right like that's a huge part of it and you maybe don't have to give something back for Kirk in terms of a first round pick but at the same time there are elements in that that mean you have to give up something of relevance and Kirk is I believe a threshold below Carr a, a little bit there so it's like Agreed. okay to, to the basic the basic part of my point is I don't think those two based on having to give up something to get them elevate them beyond what Mayfield coming back and being just an average version of himself. That's what I'm getting at. Yes. So that fifth year for me for Mayfield is still largely what I would prefer. Now, again, uh, we're going to get into the concerns I have around what the fifth year and going forward looks like, but I don't think if we sat here and talked about things and the Browns traded Kirk cut for Kirk cousins, they gave up a second round pick and a third round pick to get him or traded for car and gave up a first round pick and, uh, whatever. Like, I just don't feel like I would really feel that comfortable. Like they're that much better to be an actual Super Bowl team. Now you can start to have those philosophical debates of is there Super Bowl or busters or something in between that you desire? I totally understand that. Some people don't view it as like Super Bowl or bust. They view it as getting to the playoffs as a real accomplishment in Cleveland. And that's again, subjective to what your nature is about the Browns and the expectations here. But I don't find myself drawn to the idea of those guys making the Browns that much better than Mayfield not having a shoulder, serious shoulder injury. So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I've come down from where I've started. I think that all of this is self-realization. When you start to think about like what makes the most sense, you can take some hard lines early, then you stack and you analyze things. That's kind of where I am. I feel this very all in approach coming from Cleveland in terms of the guys they have on one year deals left. Technically, Njoku is going to be on a one-year as we sit here today. Maybe that changes, but he's on a one. Hooper's on a one because they could get rid of him. Conklin's on a one. Uh, Kareem Hunt's on a one. Baker's on a one. Offensively, like, and this ties to something that is completely different, my theory about kind of trading back and collecting assets. They might be, because as we talk about the Cleveland Browns, we always tend to do it. If you guys remember, you were probably doing the same thing when this, the, and I was guilty of it too. I only did one podcast where I looked at the negative outcomes of everything, what it could look like. But you tend to view it as like, they're going to be pretty good. We all thought they were going to be really good in 21 and didn't yes. recognize that this is where it could all go downhill. So if it all goes downhill again, I would like the Browns to have some serious assets collected by maybe moving around some picks and getting some future things. That's a part of it. But like, again, to the basis but of your you question. you also wouldn't have if you leveraged a bunch of those picks to bring in somebody bingo. who didn't bingo. actually elevate you that much yeah yes bingo and that's where i'm at too now if this was like drew lock i could see that this is different but we've seen some things from mayfield that tell us he can be a level or just a you know a, a shade below that level and still be like the difference isn't substantial so it was always aaron humongous outlandish pipe dream but fun to talk about 
Russell, a little more realistic, but also outside looking in of that scenario. And then like, you know, you got to have a hard conversation with yourself about are these other guys even worth considering? I lean toward not forcing myself into them because of I, I, these guys need, just like Baker does, they need things around them to be right. They need it to be right. They're not elevators, right? They're, we're going to again, again, get into this in just a bit, but they're not elevators. They're, they're win-withers, right? They're guys you can win with, but the win-with part needs to be right. And if you give up things to, to get them, cap space, picks, right? It gets dicey. Yeah. It gets yeah. harder. It gets substantially harder. Derek, so that's Carr, my, my Derek Carr, I'll give a little bit because he took a team to the playoffs where his number one receiver was – slot guy and Darren Waller who missed a lot of time and obviously they had the situation they had where they they lose their top receiver for the year and probably his career um and they were still able to win a lot of football games like he deserves he he he's sort of like a halfway between the top guys and like where the Baker Mayfield Kirk Cousins are in the world I thought Quezzi Adolfo Mensa sort of summed up Kirk Cousins really well in the way he sort of described him and basically saying like you know, if he's going downhill, he's in pretty, he's going to, he's going to succeed. Um, and that's a good way to sort of think of the quarterback position is what happens. But when they P, have- do you want to tie yourself to Kirk or Derek? Do you want to tie yourself to five years of those guys? Cause you bring them in, you're probably going to have to give them a deal. And like, my question is, is even if Baker gets to their level and plays at their level consistently, like some people think, and I'm sure you guys do, is that something you feel comfortable doing? Because that's the reality of your next five years of your Miles Garrett prime. Like, is that yes. what you no, I think your question, right, Jake, is, okay, you really, really like, say, Derek Carr more than Baker. You really, really like Kirk Cousins more than Baker. Fine. I'll accept that. I might not think that they actually exist in different tiers, but I'll accept that premise. But my next question to you is, but do you like both of those guys more than CJ Stroud? Me, me? No, no, I do. I do not like the idea. No, I I, I get it. About signing up for four or five years, right? Like it's not like you're picking them up for a year or two. Like this is, they're showing you, they're showing you what the path is with Mayfield. As we know today, you might believe Mayfield elevates past those guys. And again, we're going to dive into this. But they're showing you what the, 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 the situation is that's happening and unfolding right in front of you. Kirk, I mean, and, and, and again, to your point, Pete, Derek Carr does a great job guiding an Oakland team, sorry, Vegas team that is falling apart at the seams. Fantastic stuff. Gets them to the playoffs, but they're out in round one. Yep. yep Kirk gets them one year. They win, they win a while. That's what you have to ask yourself. Do you want to buy that lotto ticket or do you want to swing for more? So, like, I have a hard time thinking if it was apples to apples, I could justify it. Like, hey, take Kirk and throw Baker and Kirk and Agreed. swap them. But it's not that way. It's not well, that way. There's money, hit, cap, trade, assets, swapped. That's a big thing. And, uh, and what I was trying to say is, and also potentially opportunity cost. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's it. exactly it. Uh, to me, Kirk Cousins is a coach killer. He is just good enough to get you beat. He will always leave you unsatisfied. His numbers right now are going to have him with an argument to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame, just in terms of his yep. career efficiency. And like you get in these numbers and you're like, it's scary how high he rates. Now, if you actually just watch him, it's just not that he's not that guy. Um, and he's always had phenomenal players around him in terms of weaponry, in terms of receivers. He, he goes from Stefan Diggs to having uh, the, the dudes they have now and the kid from LSU. Like, they're unbelievable. And they're still an 8-9 football team. Like, and, and, you know, even on his way out, Mike Zimmer crushed Kirk Cousins. Like, 
And, and, and part of that, I sort of get, if, if for no other reason, the whole COVID situation, like that was a decision you made for yourself and it ultimately hurt the team. Um, I get that. But like, that is to me, that is Kirk Cousins. That was Kirk Cousins in Washington. That is Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. And that will be Kirk Cousins, whatever team he's on, which by the way, if we're looking at it that way, it would be his third team. And he has as many playoff wins as Baker Mayfield to this point. Like he just does not get you there. And, and like I said, I thought Quezzy, uh was, and I keep saying his name wrong. I know I keep saying his name wrong. Uh, Is it Queasy? I can't never get it right either. Somebody's um, going to respond to these podcasts and tell no, it's us. Crazy. It's crazy. I think it's crazy. Crazy. Um, but like Patrick he, Swayze, okay. he, he 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 had it. He had nailed him. He like he had him right to a T in like this pithy way that sort of summed him up. So I, I've never been a Kirk Cousin guy, even though I advocated the Browns draft him because I thought he was going to be a bridge. That's still how I view him. Um, I think Kirk Cousins, I think uh, Baker Mayfield has more talent than Kirk Cousins. Now, whether we're going to get there, that's the challenging part. Kirk Cousins is a pretty good armed quarterback. Baker Mayfield is a great armed quarterback. And, and, and for some reason, it's like if we break this down and just, just go, what does Baker Mayfield have in terms of tools and, and like trying to build a quarterback? Baker Mayfield has everything you could want except you would love him to be a little bit taller and you'd love him to be a little bit more athletic. But in terms of just base skills, if you were to draw up a quarterback and you're going, what do I want? I want a guy who can get the ball out quickly. I want a guy who can throw the ball accurately. I want him to have an arm that can work at all levels of the field. And I want him to be able to have a, a, a be able to process quickly enough to be able to do all these things. He can do all of those things, which is why, and people don't like hearing this because they don't believe it. He is a really popular quarterback in the NFL. As much as he has like had his ups and downs in Cleveland, like there are teams that are sitting there hoping that the Browns will give up on him and they're going to go, well, there's no trademark for him. And I'm going to tell you, you're right because his shoulders screwed up and they can't get him till July, maybe at the earliest, like that's not a way to plan your future. But if Baker Mayfield plays out his fifth year option and fails, whatever that means, like if he gets hurt again, that's failing at this point. Like they can't wait for him to do that. Um, if he doesn't play well on that fifth year option, they can't wait to like do that yeah. again. Now we can here's see- a theory I heard, Pete. I think it was the ringer guys about Kirk Cousins. Like Kirk Cousins should be this guy who floats around the NFL and plays on one year deals on a bunch of teams to raise the basement of their quarterback room. Like he should just jump from team to team. And it's just a funny, goofy theory of like, hey, Kirk can come in and not be um, Drew Locke, for example, in Denver, yeah. or not be this other guy in Panthers. Elevate the Panthers, make them an average team, right? Like he should move around the league on all these one-year deals and they pass them around. So like, I think the crux of what we're talking about here is his perspective of Mayfield. So people see 2019, people see the first seven games of 2020, people see this year, and they believe that the basement of the quarterback room needs to be raised. They believe, and this is again, giving perspective of, of some people out there that, that Mayfield's 12 and count the playoffs, what, 14 game stretch there in 2021, uh, where he was the best version of himself, uh, is, is, is something that you're betting on that is interesting um, to think is, is going to be a concrete version of him. So their process is you can, you can get Derek, you can get Kirk, and you can raise the basement of your quarterback room. Now we have dispelled reasons why that notion doesn't work for us. I don't think it's not like they could end up doing it. I don't know, but I just don't expect them to do it. And I understand why they would not do it. So 
The question then becomes Mayfield, the player. I think that's what we need to spend some time on talking about. Okay. If we're all sitting here accepting Mayfield's back, like I feel higher than ever that that's the most likely route we go here. Mm -hmm. What is Baker Mayfield? What is his on-field profile? And from that, looking at where does he ultimately go? Because those are the questions we need to answer. And unfortunately, we have to find that answer in the snippet of an 18-game season coming up. So I think that's the discussion that is, is pretty pertinent here. Um, and you've laid out some things, Pete, you just liked about him. I, 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 I totally uh, understand your side. You've pointed this out several times. Let me throw to you guys where I have issues. And you can dispel them. Um, and you can tell me whether you disagree with me. Uh, that's fine. So I'm excited about this, Jake, because so far as the official mediator of this pod episode, I have had very little work to do. The two of you are agreeing far too much and I'm going to need you to people, start. I told people we were going to agree a lot. We do. <laughs> I, I'm not like, I think people think Pete's way far on one side and they think I'm way far on the other. While I recognize some things about Baker, the shoulder injury, very serious. It's not something to laugh at. A harness when you're trying to do a pull-through torque-based motion <laughs> is miserable. It's okay. not easy. Let's okay? let's hit this real quick. So okay, hit, heading into the, the the two games that Mayfield played this season, um, and, and that includes the half of the Texans game where he was injured. Um, he completed eighty percent of his passes, and he was averaging ten point eight yards per attempt. Like that's, I think we can both agree that's pretty damn good. Now, certainly not sustainable but a pretty nice little start to the season. Um, now, let me, let me come back to that. I will say the Kansas city game. We have to look at something that is a real stigma about Baker in the fourth quarter. What happened? The throw to Anthony Schwartz that he left too far inside a third down throw to Njoku that bounced in front of him up the left sideline. And then a turnover on the last possession. So those are, again, he did play pretty well. And I think pro football focus gave him a high seventies grade. Mm -hmm. Same thing for the first half. I talked to Costco about that uh, Texans game, some pretty solid reads, some missed throws in that first half. It was not the best version of Baker is what I'm getting at. He has been better before they were solid. I'm with you. They were good games, but not like unbelievable performances is what I'm trying to, to just make sure I agree. I'm out there. And I, and I have to say one thing before we really dig into this. I told you this last week when we talked. This is not confirmation bias for me. I was all in on Baker in 18 when no one knew who I was. I was following Pete. He was the first of the of the draft guys who were in on him too. And I, I even, Pete, if you go back and look at our mentions, man, like I had responded to you and said, like, why not Mayfield? I don't think you answered me because I was a peon, but like, like I, I was like, what's, what am I missing? I was, I was all in, all in on him after 2018, all in as I was before. And I have seen these issues creep up that we're going to talk about. So I just wanted to get that out there. This I was way out on Josh Allen too, way out. And I'm yeah, totally wrong still, about Josh. Still so I'm just like, like, I'm just making sure that this is not Jake trying to confirm people who didn't know me three years ago doing this. Like this is, I just feel like that's paramount to the discussion so, for, for me. Yeah. And I agree. Um, the thing is, that's, that's where I, that's where I start with this is the fact that the numbers I laid out are true. And what you said is true, which means he could complete 80% of his passes, average 10.8 yards per attempt, and there's still room to get better. Like that is yes. a pretty good place to start with a quarterback. Like, and this is the thing, like Baker Mayfield can absolutely improve. And I think the, the, the scary thing is that, and, and this is where I want to hit on 
from Jake's perspective as both a, a, a person who did this as a player and then as a coach, I'm curious what your perspective on this is to me, having worked with quarterbacks, watching quarterbacks, uh, it is the ultimate position of improving in leaps and bounds. You can watch a guy stagnate and stagnate and stagnate. And you're sitting there going, man, it's just not going to happen. And then they have that jump. And it's like, and, and that's to me how it usually goes. There's with, within reason, like there's certainly things you can improve early on and, and, and they will get a lot better, but there comes this point where they just sort of, hit a wall and that can be see there's something you you're not focusing on in terms of like developing them or they just have to sort of figure something out and if it clicks suddenly they take that next jump and the guy i would point to with this is a guy like matthew stafford matthew stafford stagnated for years with the lions and when they had calvin johnson he was like he was not a very good quarterback in terms of like the level of development he got he was certainly hit physical tools off the chart like he could do anything you wanted on a football field and then some like stuff that Baker can't even dream of. But like he just had gotten to a point where it just got had, wasn't improving. And then ultimately they, they Calvin Johnson retires and then Mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford like starts improving again because he almost had like he had to. And look, you can't wait forever. Like you have to sort of balance how long you're willing to wait with the fact that these things can happen. In other words, it could be ex- entirely the right decision that based on whatever Baker Mayfield does in 2022, that the Browns move on and Baker Mayfield could go on to another team and have an, an, a ton of success. Both of those things could be the absolute right moves for those particular players. But I'm curious from your standpoint, both having done it and having coached it with quarterbacks, is that your experience with it or do you see it differently? So in terms of like, let me make sure I understand you, Pete, that that it's not linear. It can stagnate and then boom, it busts out. You know, like it can, the the, the progress can be sort of in and out. Yes. I'm with you. There are going to be ebbs and flows. You look at, you look at, this is what I have as a, as a general problem with quarterback development in the NFL right now is that there's five years to judge a guy and, and five years is not a lot of time. I understand that the quarterback contracts were going crazy uh before they set up the scale but now this five-year quarterback luxury window means that you got to make a decision on a guy in five years and it might not mean a guy has given you every answer about who they are as a player in five years and i hate that i also hate that there's not a means for a cheaper than 35 million dollar a year yes. deal that gives you more time to analyze and maybe the browns end up doing that guys maybe they reset it maybe baker sw- says Hey, I, have a, I, had a, I do have a theory on that, but yes, it, I'm with it, you. yes, maybe they do. I've been preaching it as much as I can preach it, that there's these set standards. And we we're talking about this off air about tight ends, about how the NFL has structured contracts for quarterbacks. I don't love it because I would like to give quarterbacks more time because the NFL is a chess match. You enter the league, you play. What does Mayfield like to do? Oh, okay. We figured that out. We're going to take it away from him. Tom Brady's recreated himself as a quarterback like four times. Mayfield is in the midst of trying to get the self-awareness of who he is as a quarterback, accept the self-awareness, which has to come, and then figure out why are teams beating me this way? How can I counteract the way they are beating me? It's a thing he needs to show this year above Pete, I need to see it more than anything else. I need to see a self-aware dude about how he wins 
on the football figured out about how he plays against them. So uh, to the crux of your question earlier, though, I do think that five years of linear Josh Allen-like progression to getting better is a tough thing because we are not quarterbacks are not all wired the same. Now I have only played and coached in experiences where you get four years and it's a huge, you know, it's, it's not like I've gotten to be with a quarterback for 10 years, but uh, for the most part, you do see jumps, you see jumps, not this like every day you get 1% better, right? There are just these, Hey, he figured out what cover two looks based on that. He's figured out how to play uh, what leverage looks like. He's figured out how coverage works and he's really started to dissect this thing and get comfortable with it. Like, I think some of that stuff starts to just slowly click for a kid and then boom, they make that leap you're talking about. The same thing's going to happen in the NFL because bigger, faster, stronger people, you know, coverages are more complex. And then you've got to figure out the speed of guys in front of you. There's a lot of elements there uh, that, that I think have to, that have to be solved. And to me, I don't think Mayfield has quite gotten to the point yet that he has solved what teams are doing to him. So there is another tier to be unlocked, in my opinion. But the question is, does he have the self-awareness and the key to unlock what they're trying to do to him? So that's, again, something we need to have some back and forth on probably. Right. So Well, and Jake knows that I agree with him because when I was on Jake's pod, you know, we talked about this a lot, like that Baker's need for self-awareness um, is maybe the most important thing that he needs to work on this offseason. And that there's two kinds of self-awareness, right? There's like self-awareness as a human um, and then also self-awareness on the field and and to that point, like the one area of Pete for me that you kind of like brought up when you were talking about the things you really like about him, that is actually for me, the one area where I have the most questions is in that like kind of diagnosing um, and, and feeling comfortable knowing what he's looking at um, and, and being ready for that. Um, that's an area where I, you know, it, it, so it is this, this issue of self-awareness that I agree, Jake, for me is like the number one question mark and and also maybe the most important thing going like that i'm going to be looking for going into next season so my perspective on mayfield and, and this is again operating as somebody who coaches i get very angry at baker mayfield at times yes. because yeah. i think he knows all the answers i think he legit there are times he absolutely gets fooled the patriots interception stands out to me where he just got was just wrong he misread it and he, he got fooled the Ravens game on Monday, uh, you know, primetime last year when he threw the one interception, you know, down by their end of the end zone uh, and, and threw the pick six, absolutely fooled. In general, I think Baker knows all the answers to the test and then does things where I'm sitting and you're going, you know, this is wrong and yet you're doing it because either you're, 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 you're too confident in what you're seeing or you're just not letting the game come to you. However you want to phrase that, but just not doing it like this is the thing is like and you'll see you'll hear him from press conferences and stuff and he'll tell you exactly what happened like word for word like you know he understands and yet he did it anyway and that's the part where like that's where I get where I'm sort of like I can be convinced like he's just not going to figure it out the the that same sense to me is and you're talking about self-awareness I, I look at the guy who at times is just unwilling to take the profit. That guy who wants yep. to go for the big play and simply doesn't need it. Like, and there are times and, and, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers playoff game is like the masterpiece of him sort of understanding what it takes to be good. 
because that entire game he he like and and you compare that to the game where he 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 made James Hudson look like a dick for four quarters um like they went in with the same game plan it was the same game plan but it, it was understanding and and you know doing it in the playoffs where he said i have to get the ball out of my hand in however long, you know, two seconds, three seconds, whatever time frame it was. And he did it over and over and over. And there are plays that weren't there and he threw it away. There are plays that were there and he took the profit and it allows you to take those shots or whatever it is. And then you look at that second Pittsburgh game. And I, and I think some of this has to do with injury and being hurt and not being able to trust your body in, in some of these things. And some of this was just a product of being, just the product of that season and just being a mess. And there was a point where he just was lost. It was just, he was done. Like uh, there's no other way for me to put it than he was done in that Steelers game. But in that game, it was the same game plan. Like people are going, well, you should give James Hudson help. No, you shouldn't give James Hudson help. The game plan there is he's running 60 protection. The ball is catch step throw, get it out. Like, and, and that in some ways frustrated me because people were like, He's such a dope because he keeps getting passes bad at the line. Like this, the Browns did the same thing to Ben Roethlisberger in the playoff game because they knew what he was doing. He was going to catch step throw. So the Browns went up, rush, rush, put hands up because they could time, like they could time when the ball was going to come out and they didn't necessarily know where it was going to go. But if they just got their hands up, they were, they had a good chance to get, get in the way. And it led to not only some pass deflections, but one of the interceptions. Now Baker Mayfield's eye discipline can get him in trouble at times where he, sort of gives away where he's going and allows that, that guy to TJ Watt is very good at this. Just have a sense of where the ball's going to go and get his hands up. But a lot of that is just sort of the defense understanding the rhythm of the play. And I think, you know, that aspect of this, it got very bothered him to a point where it, it screwed him up. Uh, but the difference to be was- frank, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to throw it all out. I'm willing to throw most of this year out. I'm, I'm just being transparent. Right. I'm willing to throw but here, most and, of it out. Yes. And, and I want you to explain why, because, and I asked you this off air, you have played the position hurt. And I want you to sort of explain what that does, because there were times where, like people would get my, would try to argue with me and go like, what he's doing wrong has nothing to do with the injury. And I'm trying to get people to understand, like it has everything to do with the injury because it has everything to do with your process. If you're, you have practiced for months a, a, a particular set of footwork or a particular rhythm in how you do things. And then whether it's the shoulder and then the knee and then the foot, like it felt like maybe the Cincinnati Bengals game, he sort of had figured it out the shoulder part. And in that game, he gets the bone bruise and then the heel injury. Like that was happening in that game. He's great. And it's like starting over again. So from your standpoint, your perspective, playing hurt and what that does to you, that's going to make things that like, don't look like they're injury related, but actually are. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I, the, the, any serious injury... And I only have one experience, guys, and that's again. I am a I am a football jabroni compared to any of these guys I talk about at the NFL level. Uh, but but I was lucky enough to play a little bit at the D three level, and that's you know it's a, a minor accomplishment to to do that. I had two nice years, my sophomore and junior year, um, and in in a weird time in football where we were trying to throw and run the triple option with me, who runs like a four nine five forty. And, it, and I might be being generous. So I got a coach of mine who listens to these pods going to text me and make fun of me. But I was very, I was not fast shifty, but, but, but not fast in the slightest. And then I was trying to run spread offense and I had two pretty good years, decent years on a good path based on the history of the school. And then my senior year, my left knee gets a two minute drill of my, uh, my final camp practice, left tackle falls into my knee and it sprains it pretty severely. And it was a miserable year. It was an absolutely miserable year for me because I never felt like I could use with a knee brace on my left knee. I never felt, although slow, extremely slow, I never felt like I could run like I needed to run, never felt comfortable planting on my front leg, always had a hyper fear of somebody rolling into my leg again. And this is just my experience. Now, you know, the guy to probably ask him, this is Mitch Trubisky who dealt with a similar injury at the NFL level. Uh, but like, I would imagine a harness on your left shoulder that wraps around your upper torso is not easy to play with. Okay. And there, uh, we're not going to sit here and debate the decision to continue to play. We all know that they, they, whoever made the decision, Mayfield, Stefanski, all of them, all the way up, they decided to play. So he's not going to lean on that as a crutch for, for performance issues, but there is a tie direct to what your confident confidence is in your body to what your performance is in decision-making because, Hey, I know I have this corner route that if I hit the top of my drop, I need the ball out. It's gotta be out. I believe I can make that throw. If you don't think you have the zip you normally do, you hesitate. If a guy's open right in front of your face in week 17, because you know, you you've either taken too many sacks or you don't trust what you're seeing. You just don't throw it. That's a large part of the mental side of a serious injury to a shoulder, a knee, a serious joint on your body is going to impact your decision-making. Now, Baker, I think, would agree the decisions went way too far south. They did. And I, I, that's why I get concerned about, is he able to repair that? Because that is something that is stigma-based and can stick in your crawl. He sees the pictures that are posted on social. He's an online quarterback. So, like, can he overcome that? That's a serious question. But to say that, and I get it, people post pictures who haven't done it before, haven't coached it, haven't played it, We'll just say these things. It does. There are, there are parallels guys, your confidence in what your body can do and what your arm strength can do is minimalized because he probably 
A, didn't feel as comfortable as he normally did in practice when he was throwing all the reps he throws. B, doesn't have the, 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 the comfortability in terms of the timing it takes in his vision processing. So that's why, Pete, I'm with you, I'm totally with you, and I'm totally willing to look at 2021 as a, as a heavily asterisk season for Baker. And, I, and mm-hmm. I think that if you're not doing that, you're doing an injustice. And when I wrote up my stuff about my concerns for him, it went, it went well past, if you read it, it went well past just last year. Because what we'll get to for me is looking at, okay, Baker's going to get back to health. He's going to, the shoulder's going to heal. He's going to come back. I have no doubt that the accuracy that dipped will return. I, I, it just will organically come back and return or regress to the mean uh, or progress back to the mean or whatever way you want to phrase it. That will happen. And I think he will be more comfortable doing some things that he was not comfortable doing last year. I think those things at a baseline will get better. My discussion centered around Baker is, okay, this, I think I have, and maybe you're not ready for me to say it yet. That's totally your call. I think I have a pretty good feel for who he is. I just, I do. I just, this is, I'm pretty entrenched. If you're ready for it, I'll give it to you. If you want to broach another angle, we can do that. But like, no, I, I feel like I, I, I want to get into it because I, that, that's the thing is I wanted to get, I wanted to get to, and then move on from 2021 because it doesn't help us to, to, to continue to beat this thing up and go, well, you either believe it or you don't like just having done it, having seen it, having talked to people like you who have done it, it just doesn't get us anywhere. I, I am, yeah. I am interested to see your perspective on issues you've seen dating back to 2018 because ultimately that's where we're at it's not going to be look if he plays like he did in 2021 it doesn't even matter like it's over like that's just it so if he's going to come back and play well and I, i suspect he will that's where we have to go we have to we have to discuss the issues he had when he was playing well or when he wasn't playing well but was in the right you know right setup for him to succeed so by yeah, all I mean, to Pete's point, I would say like, you know, to kind of expand on like, if he plays like he played this year, it's irrelevant. It is also like, I don't need him to fix what went wrong this year. If the three of us agree that a lot of what went wrong this year is the injury, because to your point, Jake, the injury will heal and that stuff will fix itself with the healing of the injury. So the it just magnified is, the issues. It magnified the the really issues. becomes, is he going to be able to fix the issues that existed before the injury, because those are the issues that he needs to fix in order to progress, to continue on the progression if we're gonna throw 2021 out. Spot on, I think you're right. So here's where I am on him, okay? Um, He is a quarterback, I think if everything around him is ideal, perfect, he can be a a nice player for your your system, okay? the data that Pro Football Focus puts out in their quarterback annual, and you can get you can get picky about some things um, if you want to, uh, but I think their EPA data paints the picture that I have seen. There's no better data point for me than what I have seen, okay? So this is long-winded, but stick with me, and I'm open to shutting up for 10 minutes to rebuttal. So in his rookie year, Mayfield made everybody like, okay, this guy – struggles in scheme to start his EPA on first reads as a rookie. All right. That's dropping back in rhythm throwing. All right. Was, was relatively decent right around league average. The thing that made him jump. 
okay, was the scramble drill stuff. The 0.02 EPA was the league average. He was a 0.12 scramble drill guy, 15 big time throws out of structure. Jarvis in the Carolina game, Mm -hmm. Higgins in the Atlanta game, Houston game. He made several ridiculous out-of-pocket throws. He was adding value. Now, not a normally sustainable thing, and you can attest to this, Pete, because many things go haywire. You know, when you get out of the pocket, like where guys end up at the perfect time can sometimes be luck-driven. Just the right time, right escape from the pocket, it just works out. Sometimes you get out of the pocket and everybody's working the opposite direction. just doesn't work out. So that's why Pro Football Focus labels it as this is a a non-stable metric. So, okay, everybody's pumped after his rookie year because relatively decent on first read. Next read was ugly. He was a negative .31 in in his next read EPA while the league average was negative .03. So that's rookie stuff. Cool. Totally get it. Game slows down. It'll get better. But the scramble drill stuff outside of pocket, the scheme work where he came off in the scheme, he was right around league average, negative .10. But you could see where he could get better. The scheme stuff gets better. The first read stuff gets better. And the scramble drill stuff with the 15 big time throws. Uh, And it might have been 18. I cannot remember the exact number, but it was it was really good. And it had everybody pumped me included because I'm like, man, if he does this stuff where it breaks down, he gets out of the pocket and he's making plays on the move. We got something, man. That's what you want. That's what that's what Russell Wilson is. That's what these guys that we like are creators. Then 2020 happens. Okay. So what happens in 2020? First read dipped. We can all agree the scheme numbers we thought what was going on with Freddie pretty bad. Took a dip there. The league average first read is 2019. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm reading it a year ahead. So the first year is 2018. This is 2019, Freddie. So the first read stuff dips 0.08, 0.03 was what uh, Baker ended up. So he was a little below average scheme. He was point negative 0.8 is the scheme EPA. He was negative 0.16, but the scramble drill stuff was still better than league average. He was 0.11 in scramble drill, right? And his, his next read data got a little bit better. Instead of negative 0.31, it got to 0.16. So still, like, I know it was rough because the first read and the scheme stuff wasn't great, but we're still kind of doing it. We can still see where this goes. And then the NFL adjusted to him largely in the second year. They started to say, okay, why are we rushing ends up field, letting him step up and slide out of the pocket right or left? Let's box him in the pocket. Let's make him throw. What happened in 2019? All the jokes about him bailing clean pockets. We all saw it. It's not a secret. They figured that out. Why are we blitzing this guy? This guy shreds the blitz. We need to stop blitzing him. We need to drop seven as often as we possibly can. So they did that. And largely what happened was that Mayfield forced throws. He was contained to pockets. And then when he was forced to get out of pockets, it was just bailing clean pockets because he wasn't comfortable with sitting in them the way they were trying to. So, okay, 2021 happens, gets more structure, boom, scheme. Look what his EPA went to. League average for scheme point EP, and EPA, point, negative 0.07. Baker was a 0.20 EPA scheme quarterback. First read, league average, 0.11 EPA. Mayfield, 0.26. Love it. The thing is, the scramble drill stuff was down, worse than it's ever been, negative 0.14. So that goes down. Next read, still same as the year before. So his second read working through progressions was negative 0.16, far below league average. Then in 2022, everything keeps on the same path. He was negative 0.03 in first read. So that went down. The scheme stuff was still pretty strong, but the scramble drill was negative 0.14. The check down was negative 0.28. Next read was point negative 0.32, which kind of falls in line with what I'm seeing. Negative 0.16 next read in 2020. Uh, his check down was negative 0.18 in 2020 when things were going as good as they've gone in his career and negative 0.14. So I know that's just mumbo jumbo to some people. What I'm trying to tell you is this. 
when Mayfield has been his best is when he's come off of things and diagnosed pre-snap and has an idea where to go with the football. The data supports that he has struggled going through progressions comfortably in the pocket. One, two, three, finding the backside dig. It has not been a consistent thing for him. He has never used his check down as we have, uh, can all agree the way he has needed to use checkdowns that have been presented to him since the start of his second season moving forward. So I am fully cognizant of this stuff that he can do in a scheme. The scheme data is strong the last two years, 0.20, both two years. This year, the, the, the injury year too, it was strong. When it's schemed up, he can execute it. It's when he has to come off of it or find a check down or scramble that we have not seen it. Since his rookie year, there have been only seven big time throws, 19, 20, and 21 seven big time throws outside of structure. And you conclude that it was like 18 is rookie year alone. That has completely gone away. So how does Mayfield win? That's what my question becomes. If he's not going to be a scrambler creator, he's going to have to win from the pocket. How does he win? That's what my ultimate concern is. Okay. If he's extremely buttoned up mechanically, which we can all agree has not always been the case. We saw breakdowns largely due to injury, but, Breakdowns are breakdowns, and that's what we have to go with here. The mechanic stuff has to tighten up, whether that means he's working with a quarterback coach or getting off of ABP next year. Uh, I mean, by that is an off-season quarterback coach like a Quincy Avery or somebody who's dedicated to that study with him. Um, if ABP moves off of him, so he's a new quarterback coach, does he get back to his old right foot forward mechanics that he's always been since Lake Travis? Uh, that could be an element. Uh, but the, 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 the mechanic stuff has to get buttoned up. The pocket stuff, finding windows, Pete, like you're talking about. Not, not just batted down passes, but the number one creation of pressure, independent quarterback creation of pressure Mayfield this past season. And he's drifting. He's drifting for years. He's been drifting in the pocket and creating pressure. And I, again, Kyle Murphy is an independent guy of all of this. Just brought Kyle in. He's great O-line study uh, guy from Arizona State. If you have not ever watched him on Twitch, he's a really smart guy. And he just he's a hard quarterback to block for. He's a hard quarterback because he has – this tendency with his eyes to drift where he's looking. And that leads to guy, a guy being not where you expect him to be in the pocket. So those are my concerns. Okay. What is your path to Mayfield being really good? Okay. So to me, it's a buttoned up quarterback in the pocket who mechanically is sound is like breeze and finding windows can get rid of the football quickly as often as he possibly can by being one step ahead of the defense, either by processing boom, boom, boom to check down. We call it a super processor, right? Boom, 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 going where you need to go to get rid of the football, right? Um, that's to me the best path forward for him that he has to become aware. He's not, he's not to me an arm talent guy. He has arm strength for days, days. He's not a great tempo thrower with consistency, taking some off the throw, dropping it into a bucket, mm -hmm. consistently doing that. And he's not a shortstop at the position the way Mahomes and Allen are where he can change his arm angles on the fly and do some. That's okay, though. To me, he doesn't have to be those things. What he has to be to be the best version of Baker Mayfield is he has to clean up the pocket stuff. He has to get better in the pocket. He has to get crisper with the footwork. He has to take care of those things because he's going to have to win from the pocket. Teams are not – if you look at the data this year to last year, they're not letting them boot. They're just dedicating a guy to not letting him boot. It's not going to happen. Across the league, it's down. Not going to happen. They're not going to let him do it. Okay? He got like 30 dropbacks on the boot stuff this year. And don't, trust me, Stefanski wanted to call it. He's going to have to win from the pocket. So 
the thing that he has to do buttoned up mechanically consistently understanding how he wins at this level checkdowns progression based throws window hunting finding those lanes to throw the football to and understanding the right move at the right time based on what the defense is giving him right not forcing things not trying to drive the football into impossible windows i what i'm getting at is with Mayfield, my ceiling is nowhere near what I thought it would be in 2018. It's nowhere near that. I thought that there was this guy who could be borderline transcendent, but I don't think that you have to, for there to be a foot forward, I don't think there has to be. He has to be scheme solid. He has to take care of the football and move the chains, has to avoid taking sacks by being smart and out in front of people, and he has to take advantage of what defenses are going to give him all the time all the time. Okay. Cause you know, I don't think you're going to develop this, this pristine arm strength or sorry, arm talent change. You are who you are there. Largely. He starts throwing sidearm. I got a lot of questions for him. You know, I just don't think that's there for him. And I don't think that he's going to be a creator because the athleticism is just not that strong and people have understood how to bottle him up in the pocket. So he has to learn how to win from the pocket. So my question then shifts back to both of you, Pete, Nicole, how does he unlock another like what level is there for that player is the breeze level there that that's what you have to ask because he's not going to be Russ. He's not going to be Josh. He's not going to be Herbert. He's not going to be these guys. He has to be a super processor, a, a, a window hunter, a buttoned up mechanic guy. And can he get there? Can he stop thinking he can make plays on the run all the time when he shouldn't be running around trying to make plays? Can he figure that stuff out? That is the question for Mayfield because you don't have to be top five quarterback to be a a worthwhile quarterback I still think you can be an answer for the Cleveland Browns as a consistently fringe top 10 guy some seasons top 14 some seasons top six that's what I'm getting at so there's my synopsis of who he is and like why I say the path for him is not as simple as some other guys who have better traits that's kind of where I'm at I want to ask a question and you can either, you know, take it, Jake, or, you know, Pete, we can let you kind of like build this into your, into your response there. But something that comes up for me is we've identified a problem that we've said has happened throughout his career. It's not a new problem. Right. And a lot, and a lot of that problem has been around Um, what to do when the scheme breaks down and that first read isn't instantly available. Like, what do you do after that? And then particularly, what do you do after that when athleticism becomes an issue, escaping the pocket becomes an issue, whether that's because of what the defense has given you versus or, and, and so my question is this, like, is it possible that we've identified a singular problem, but that the problem has had different causes at different points in his career. And so what I mean by that is this, is it possible that as a second year quarterback, the coaching that was available to him both in his first season and in his second season was subpar and his ability to process was a direct reflection of the coaching around the defenses that he was going to be facing um, and and the assistance that he got in that processing effort, is it possible that we saw? I mean, and I think statistically, you said Jake, it did. The problem didn't get fixed, but there was an improvement, right? In twenty twenty, 
Is it possible that we saw the problem resurface again this year, but it had a different cause in that those kind of big time plays, the lack of scrambling, the lack of mobility, not calling it, him not feeling comfortable in those second reads because increased pressure, fear of increased pressure had a lot to do with that injury. So is it possible that we've seen a consistent problem that potentially has different causes at different times? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I guess, I guess the way, the way I look at it is, okay, so help me, I guess I'm trying to make sure I answer your question the right way. So we're saying that the coaching issues, blunders help, help clarify that a little bit more for yeah, me. Yeah. I think we're saying that you maybe seen, Pete, you have an answer for it. If you do go seen, ahead, you've seen some processing problems and what we need for him is to him for him to become a super processor because he's not going to be able to rely on things like mobility that maybe the big time play thing is not really a sustainable thing because he was quote unquote figured out. And so my question to you is, and I think you're saying, if I'm if I'm re, if I'm understanding you correctly, that you have some concern about him becoming the super processor because at this point he hasn't really demonstrated an ability to do that across four seasons. Not and consistently. So yeah, consistently. Yeah, but there been flashes. He has yeah. done it. Well, is- and so this is this was the nature of my question, right? Is because we did see that uptick in 2020 with a different coaching staff who I would venture to bet had him better prepared, also schemed him up better. I think we know that, right? Is it possible that we were actually starting to see an improvement in that area? And then we saw a regression, not because he still quote unquote, like can't do it. And, but because we- I got you now, I got you. So the data says that his next read EPA was the same in 19 and 20, both negative 0.16, which is below average. That's not as bad as his rookie year where it was negative 31 or his 2022 where it was negative 32. Okay. So like the thing is, think back to 19. What was his issue? He kept bailing clean pockets. You know, that was a joke thing. What did he do in 20? I thought he had some self-awareness and he was fighting his butt off to stay in the pocket in 2020 and try to do it. He seemed really comfortable. He seemed healthy. He He seemed comfortable with his protection. He trusted his line. I have an answer to all of these things. Um, Go ahead. One. This is shocking, by the way, Jake, that Pete has an answer for everything. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, he, he, it's not a rebuttal. It's, I agree with everything Jake just said in terms of his analysis. Baker Mayfield dominates games where it feels like he doesn't do anything. In that, man, it's tough. The one person who will get this reference, hey, Kyle. Um, Futurama way back when, when Bender is talking to God or whatever, you know, sort of composite and he, and, and God sort of comes to this whole thing where like he, he, his, his thing was like, you know, you, you'd be like a safe cracker, the best, the, you know, you've done it right. When, when it feels like nobody thinks you've done anything at all. That is Baker Mayfield in a nutshell. Like his best football is when people think he's not very good. And that, and then the games I would point to would be, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs, the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals a little bit. Like there were some spectacular plays in that. Like, wow, there were some really wild plays in that 2020 game where where he led back uh, against the Bengals. But in general, the less he does in terms of like trying to make plays, 
the better things are, it just sort of, in this sense, it's sort of like, it just, he just flows with the offense. He just lets it happen. He goes where he's supposed to. And then those opportunities present themselves and he just takes advantage. Like that's the thing where I, where I go with Baker Mayfield. And like, if I'm, if I was coaching him or if he asked me, if, you know, Baker, I know you're listening. If you want to ask me about this, the play I would show you over and over again is the play where you dislocated your shoulder the second time. Like that is the play where this is your problem in a nutshell. This is when bad things happen. You are unwilling to accept that the play is over. You try to be a hero. You run around with the ball too much. And JJ Watt sacks you and your arm, your arm pops out because these are all everything in that play is what happens when Baker Mayfield tries to do too much. Um, and sort of carrying that forward and talking about all these things that I agree with the, the challenge for Baker Mayfield. And I, and I, and I, and I have to imagine the Browns are going to come up with a way to sort of simulate this in camp because they're not going to just have him get whacked because ultimately that would be the best way to deal with this is he does drift with his feet where his eyes are going. And if there has to be a way, whether it's just on tape or like, almost like hitting him with a foam bat of some sort where like he, he, he puts himself out of position to help his guys block for him. And he does this. It's, it's infuriating because he, again, he knows the answer and then his body sort of betrays him into the wrong one. So psychologically, you don't need a bat. You could blare a large loud horn. You could strobe well, a light. There's a lot of ways to get your brain to do something to me, differently and learn know, a new habit. I'm, I'm a just huge, saying if we don't want to hit him with a I'm bat, a huge I proponent of, I'm a huge proponent of shot collars. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, there's this just this part where like you're drifting outside your pocket. The, the defense can't hit you, but they're going to be in your face. Like there's almost this part where you just want to be able to hit a button and have it shock him when he drifts you because he does do some of those things. So I'm going to say again that there are ways that don't cause us to violate the Geneva Convention yeah. of achieving um, a similar result. So that's the thing is like, I, I, I see where the Drew Brees path is there. It, it, it has to be more consistent. And the thing is that Baker Mayfield has to fight the urge in a way like I criticize offensive coordinators for getting bored in how they call plays on long drives. Like you'll see guys who will like – it works, it works, it works. And then they'll call some jackass pass play that just completely screws the whole possession up. And you're sitting there and I'm sitting there thinking he got bored and, and it felt like calling a pass. Like he, he ran right down the field and, and wasn't willing to do it. Baker Mayfield has that. He has that sense where like he has to sort of be able to self-modulate himself into not getting bored with taking the right play. Um, and, and I think he can do that. And, and, when I, when I, and I hate that he got hurt, but there is this weird opportunity with this in that he, he, because he sort of has to not do things with his upper body for a little bit, he can really, and I hope he does this is do nothing but prioritize his feet and, and watching him. That's the thing that I want him to do the most, whatever they come up with him in terms of how he wants to do his footwork. Like I, you know, and, and this is super inside baseball, but I hate how he opens up when he throws with his feet. That drives me nuts um, because, you know, not, not only is that now I, I coach it, but it, like I watch the Manning cast and I'm sitting there watching Peyton Manning go, I can't do this stuff. I had to be right every time. And like, that's sort of the problem is you play in this, like this, this current era of quarterbacks and you're stuck watching Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and, and some of these other quarterbacks and Russell, Russell Wilson, some of these other quarterbacks do these spectacular things. 
And it sends this bad message that anybody can do that. And they can't. And you sort of have to be able to, and you talk about self-awareness. This is a great example of it. What you can and can't do. And I hate that Baker Mayfield, and it's, again, this is entirely a preference thing. I hate how he opens when he throws. I, he throws like a shortstop in that respect, where like, I wish he would just step to the target and throw it because I think it does some weird things for his arm angle. I it think. makes it harder on himself, Pete. I tried to yes. eliminate that when I wrote on it. It's it's throwing against your hips. You're yes. going to be less accurate. It's like a pitcher. His stride Agreed. to the plate is like to first base. You're going to leave a wide margin for error. It's just so, natural. Yeah. I, and I, like, again, some of this is preference, but there are some real things you can draw from this and go. Nah. So in that sense, I'm sitting here hoping – that him having shoulder surgery and being like him looking at the tape and, and, and going, what the hell was I doing? One, I'm hoping that because he was so screwed up in terms of like what he could do deficient in terms of being at a physical deficiency, he can look at this and go, I could like, I could do have done this much while injured. How much better can I be if I take all of this and I'm healthy? Like, I think, we, we like people talk about like this idea and you mentioned it sort of the idea of does this carry over? I think what's more likely to happen is he's going to go the other way. I think it's going to give him supreme confidence, perhaps too much initially, but I think that's going to give him a ton of energy in terms of his development is thinking, Oh my God, this was awful. And I could still play pretty good football. It was there for me. Like you look at the Cincinnati Bengals game and you're like, I, I, you know, my shoulder is completely screwed up. My knees all messed up my foot's, And I carved this team up. Like if he can sort of understand these things and again, self-modulate, avoid getting bored, be able to govern his feet. So he stays in the pocket and does these things and operates in the pocket, gets to the check down, stops thinking. And one of the things that he did, even while injured was consistently overestimate how athletic he was. In the, some of the most bizarre looking plays ever, you're watching this poor kid hobble and he thinks he's flying and he's really just going in slow motion as all these defenders are flying around at him. So like on the one hand, like I, I, I don't disagree with a thing you're saying, but there's a part of me that looks at this and goes, one, a lot of this comes down to what are coaches emphasizing in, in whether it's work, you know, off season work, new season work, and whether it's, they go the route you're talking about where he gets like a, a private quarterback coach and, and, and he goes, look, man, I, just fix, fix me in the pocket, fix my footwork, get me consistent. Um, but if he comes back to the Browns and in training camp, that's all they're working on. I think that's going to pay off. And to your point, Nicole sort of hinted at this, like he was doing some of these things, like, and it just becomes about being consistent. So the other part of this and, and, you know, people who knock him for, what does he do on third third down or what does he do in, in fourth quarter situations like some of this people hate hearing this but you can practice these things like or you get experience by doing them like you can get better at these and these are things where i think more experience is going to help him and i and, and and i'm saying that while telling you he doesn't have forever he has to be able to do this quickly you know, I think, in a, you know, if you could sign up for Baker Mayfield in 2023 right now and say, Baker Mayfield, you could have him for $20 million. I think more people would say yes to that immediately than, than, than I think people would understand. Maybe $25 million. And if that we talk about that sort of mid-tier lean, because there are two Oklahoma quarterbacks who are perfect for it right now in both Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. They are two guys that sort of, they belong in that, that tier. 
Um, they may not like it, but that is really the best situation for them. And there may be, there may come a value judgment for him where if the Browns, you know, even if he plays well, he could still be in this situation where the Browns basically come to him and he has to decide, does it make more sense to me to try to go elsewhere and like play for less money or play for some weird amount of money and then like try to get another massive contract? Or does it make more Mm -hmm. sense for me to sort of find the best situation in Cleveland, in this case, in Cleveland, and get like 20, 25 million, where it allows me to continue what I'm doing and allows them to keep building around me. The other thing that I think will help Baker Mayfield, and and you and I have sort of talked about this, I think spacing would do wonders for him. Yeah. Because you're right. Bucket throws, he is bad at, and he has to. That's something he has to get better at. That is something I would like to see him get better at, is being able to either just place it a little bit over a defender, or or the way I would, the way I I, I talk to my quarterbacks about this is sort of maximizing the opportunity for receiver to make a play. He has a bad tendency to throw frozen ropes, where the 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 uh, he has to be basically perfect for it to work like he 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 makes it so hard on himself in terms of some of these throws and Odell Beckham for all the things that uh, that I will poke at with Odell Beckham the fact that he he didn't know all the plays the fact that he'd made a bunch of mental mistakes there were any number of these situations where Odell Beckham's right in that Baker Mayfield would throw these frozen ropes where you know his his chance of success is probably like one out of one out of 10 or two out of 10 or whatever, as opposed to maybe giving a little bit more air under it, letting him settle under it, whatever, however you want to. There's do. no better example that you're talking about than the out and up to close out the Minnesota game. Yeah, that's exactly the, just, that's the throw I'm thinking of. But there, there's one other yeah. air, there's one other corner route that I'm thinking of off the top. Of my, I think yeah. it was supposed to be to Richard Higgins where he just threw the, a flat ball and it gave him no chance. And like, I think there are ways he can improve on that. I'm hoping that is something that helps. But to me, in 2021 was such a bad situation for this. It was just the space in the offense. I think if you can give him more room, it is going to allow him to throw more of the types of passes that are really effective for him because he can put it in a spot on the field. But the problem is he can't do that when it's like every play is in the red zone and, and he's on his own 20. And he has this small field to work with and they can't stretch the field. And I think that is something where this is not necessarily Baker Mayfield making a strict improvement by himself. It is literally Mm -hmm. the Browns saying one, just an offense in general. Like, and again, we talk about this, like the Browns have to get better receivers because regardless of quarterback, the, the quarterback part of that is academic. Whether Baker Mayfield or succeeds or fails in 2022, the Browns have to get better receivers. Even if you're thinking, that's for, let's say, C.J. Stroud. Let's say you're saying that's for Derek Carr. Let's say whoever you want, they need to get better because their spacing sucks. And they have a bunch of players who can't create their own opportunities that sort of hurts them. And that's sort of why this draft and this offseason is such a big point because I think if done correctly, the whole offense will open up in a way that people don't realize that sort of caters to what Baker Mayfield does allows him to succeed, but is good for anyone. So I want to yeah. ask a question on that point, Pete, and and go and to kind of tie it back to some of the stuff that Jake was talking about statistically, again, with like problems over time and over the course of career. 
So my question becomes, say we add some guys that we like, not just, not just one. The smile like, there had some guy. you stopped yourself from naming names. I appreciate that. Go ahead. I know. I don't. Yeah. So like, but like, say, you know, we take Garrett Wilson at 13, like, let's just pick the obvious one or, you know, pick your poison, Drake London, like whoever your guy is at that spot. Right. But say, say we take him. Um, I like to use Garrett Wilson in this example in particular, because I think one of the really special skill sets he has is his ability to um, help when plays break down and to come back to the ball. Like he was a safety valve for CJ Stroud this season as he was learning to play the position at Ohio state. And I think a way that like maybe wasn't fully appreciated and also in a way that I think was pretty savvy for a college wide receiver. Um, Mm -hmm. Also in a way that I think Baker Mayfield could also really benefit from, you know, we were talking, Jake, you were talking about the scramble opportunities and the broken play opportunities um, early on that kind of went away. And I know we're going to say that to some extent that does have to do with defenses responding and things like that. I also think, you know, not running the boot this year had something to do with that. I also think it had to do with not wanting a guy in a harness to get destroyed. Well, just real you know, quick, part of part of the part of that is also they couldn't protect it. They could not block it. Well, so so again, my so my point is this, right? Like, say you all of a sudden have that guy, Garrett Wilson at 13, who has a knack for coming back to the ball, for playing backyard football who suddenly allows Baker Mayfield potentially to like get some of that value that he showed in year one and year two back from a big play, broken play, scramble perspective. Like, is that something that's possible or is it totally out the window at this? No, point? it's absolutely possible. And, and, and I was asking Jake. All right, go ahead, Jake. <laughs> Either of us can answer. I don't care. But like what, what I'm doing is this, and I'm going to answer your question by saying this. I'm looking less at options now. I'm done. I'm done looking around. They could still make a trade for some guy. I don't know. I, I'm not. What I'm focusing on now is how does make Baker Mayfield get better in 22 that shows us what we want to see to feel comfortable. A part of that is the game getting easier by the people around him. To your point, I want a guy, whoever it is, or two or three, who make the game easier for him. That could be Drake London because Drake London is a master back shoulder throw catcher. Baker Mayfield, above all else, in my opinion, is a fantastic back shoulder thrower, like has a knack for that ball in the right spot at the right time that few guys have. Like I'll put his back shoulder throws up against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, which would make you think he'd be able to But think about what that throw is, though. No, yeah, I mean, it's literally literally the frozen rope. Like it It is. is. So, like, you're right, though, but that's not an easy throw. It's not an easy throw, and there are different ranges of tempo on it sometimes. But for the most part, you don't have to really dial in your muscle memory because it's like, I got a pretty good feel for where he's going to be upfield, blah, blah, blah. Garrett Wilson, to your point, Nicole, great point. Garrett Wilson can make the game easier by creating separation, and when a guy's got two yards of separation, easier to hit him than a guy who's got no yards of separation and I'm trying to throw it in the keyhole. There are plenty of them. Trellon Burks. Go ahead, do it, whatever. There's a lot of them. Pick your poison. I want them to make the game easier for Mayfield, as any quarterback's team should be doing. Josh Allen's game should be tried to make easier. Everyone across the board's trying to do this. They're going to do it. I don't have a they, – they literally – they can't get worse. They can't. To, to my point about what this means for 22 for Mayfield and what I need to see, I don't need to see everything get fixed for Mayfield. I really don't. I don't. 
I'm talking about his team making the game easier. I need to see evidence of Baker Mayfield making the game easier too. What I mean by that, I need you to demonstrate for me, Baker, and this ties into your point about frozen ropes and then what he prefers to throw too often a fastball. It's either he throws what I call, he's either throwing a two-seamer or a four-seamer. Like he's not deviating enough. He needs a circle change in his life. So like he... The thing for me about a quarterback having played it, and you know you've coached it, if you're throwing consistently with too much velocity or tempo, it's because you're juiced up. Your body's juiced up. You're feeling like gassed up in the pocket. That typically is where you see guys miss long, miss high. They don't throw with touch when they need to throw with touch. They're trying to rope everything in or throw through defenders. He needs to display for me, above all else, we've talked about self-awareness. The biggest self-awareness thing for Mayfield is playing with better calm among chaos. If Baker takes serious strides in pocket comfort, navigation, ball tempo, because he has slowed his mental side down, he's slowed down his body speed, he's slowed down his thinking. All those things are a byproduct of me of him becoming more comfortable in chaos on an NFL field. If he can do that, that is a humongous, and I mean humongous, step in the right direction. I do largely expect a lot of things to come back for him to an average level. Uh, and even above average, the accuracy, the missing open receivers when they're right in front of his face, the the throwing a corner route to Austin Hooper in the in the in the in the Lions game where he just sails it, just misses it, just for no reason misses it, or the the come off the play action fake in his own uh, backed up on his own end and he sails the ball over Jarvis Landry's head. Like I just I just and it's intercepted. I don't think that stuff is going to happen as much. Some of those like what the hell throws from him have never really been there. Now you're talking about the Patriots game, Pete. He's He gets fooled sometimes. Just a, every quarterback gets yeah. fooled sometimes. Yeah, like that, that, that stuff that, is going to happen. People have to understand that that just happens. It happens. Like Aaron Rodgers got I, fooled in, in, against the 49ers. 100%. It's going to happen. It's, it's, but it's how often yes. and can you harness it. I think it will get better with accuracy. I think he will be a better overall player there. But that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for does he take – strides in self-awareness of what defenses are doing to him and what he can do to counteract them. Largely what I mean is getting to the backside dig every now and again, getting to your check down when you need to get to your check down. And then above all else, because I think if this comes and it's, as you know, the hardest thing, it's usually pretty innate, Pete, is when things are condensed and everything's crazy, either the pocket is crazy around you, the scoreboard is tilted and the crowd is going crazy and it feels like the pressure of the world is on your lap. Think the KC game. That stuff, when it's chaos around you, the best in the world can harness that, remain calm and make plays that you're like, how did they do that? I'm not asking him to go out and make unbelievable plays. What I just want to see is if I'm going to commit to Mayfield in 23 and beyond, can you take strides in the things that come with calming yourself down? And largely, I think it's him realizing who he is as a quarterback, harnessing how I beat defenses best, and then applying them to slowing his brain down, slowing his body down that comes with slowing down his brain. If he can show me examples of that, I am more than willing to talk about a future with him. If it's the same sort of issues where I'm like, this, he's just all over the place. He's so gassed up. It looks like he could try to throw it through a brick wall. His body's moving a million miles per hour and his mind's clearly trying to keep, his body's trying to keep up with his mind. That's where I'm like, the ceiling of Baker is never going to be very immense. He has got to be a guy 
who wins with his mind. If he's ever going to be really, really great in this league, a difference maker who can carry the Browns to the, the, the type of future we thought was there after 2018 and, and really started to, to think again to ourselves after 2020, uh, started to get this notion, can he do those things, show progress in those areas? I'm not asking him to go be a top five pro football focus graded quarterback or throw for 5,000 yards and 35, to 40 touchdowns. If he wants to do that, yeah, more than happy to have you do that, my friend. But like those areas, or if he can show me those things, and I'll be more than happy to point them out. If he can do them and you raise the bar of his accuracy because his body gets right, you're looking at a guy who can, who can at that point start to say, all right, I can see a future with him because we see some of those things in year five. I need to see you doing some of them. So just me guys, that is what I'm looking for. You're right. Nicole, the the talent around him should help that get easier. The coaching staff has to continue to work with him about helping get to that easier point. I think the pieces will be in place for him. He has every opportunity still to go out and do this based on, I just don't, I just think he's going to be here. He's going to get the opportunity. You can talk about some other quarterbacks. That's cool. I was again, one eye on an upgrade as I think you Pete, were too, like they were out there, but if he's going to be here, let's start thinking about what does he have to actually do to justify a future with him? And to me, it doesn't have to be a gigantic, gigantic leap. I need to just see that you're training in the right direction where I'm like, man, Mayfield has seen, I have seen from Baker that it is slowing down for him. He's understanding who he is as a player, how he can win, how he can beat defenses. And it all starts to, to, to show you a path to being a good NFL quarterback. I need to start seeing some of those things though. And I think you've said the same thing. Yes. I just want to start it like to lay out for folks. This is the stuff you will hear me talking about. If Mayfield's under center, these are the things I need to see. Yeah, and, and as much as people, like, get on him, and I was, not wrongfully, I mean, in 2021, he held on to the ball too long at times. But in general, the, 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 the reality is still true. He needs to slow himself down in general, just in yeah. terms of how he, he plays. And he needs to – but, I, like, it comes down to the same thing. Like, he has to take the profit. Like, that's the biggest thing. If he could just do that consistently over the course of the season, like, that would be enough because that would cons- consistently put the Browns in better position. Um, people can knock him for fourth quarter comebacks and all that stuff. I would point one that he's done it, but two, who the hell is making plays for this guy? That's going to go out there and do it. Like, I, like I get it. People are going to point to games and be like, he chiefs game in the first game, the first, you know, that first game of the season, like he had opportunities and he didn't take advantage, but I, I you know, you look at like the Steelers game where he puts the ball where it's supposed to the dude drops it. And it's like, mm-hmm. he's not getting, like, you know, and Joe Burrow, and I only mentioned Joe Burrow because, and, and people hate hearing this, but it's still true. 12 months ago, Baker Mayfield was Joe Burrow. Maybe not to the, to the echelon that Burrow had gotten to, but just in terms of excitement and his ability to sort of become that top level quarterback, because like, whether it's PFF or some of these other places, they were projecting top 10 quarterback saying he was going to, you know, take that leap. He was going to be that dude. The Browns were a contender. The Browns were, you know, talking about the AFC championship, like. But what did Joe do? They did for, like Nicole said, they got him the right wide receiver. Yeah. He displayed the calm under chaos stuff that I need to see Baker yes. do. If he's got the same, he's got a better arm than Joe. Joe is not a change in arm angle guy. He's not, he's not a shortstop quarterback. All Joe is, 
is he's got better mobility. So that's in his favor. He can run at a higher clip, but he is a ball out quick ball out relatively well, accurately. And they've got guys around him. Well, for the most, they try. Yeah, I know he, he has a bad habit. I get it. He, he, he eats. He, totally brings with his you. Own, he brings his own sacks too. But, but, but he is of, a calm mover though. He can handle is, chaos around him. The thing with Joe is that there is a, and I was, this is the issue that I was most concerned about with him coming back from the um, ACL. And it was what we saw, I think, in my personal opinion, happened to Carson Wentz, right? Is that all of a sudden you were going to go from seeing a calm, confident processor to, and again, we talked about this with Baker, right? Like, it is very hard to calmly process when you, in the back of your mind, are going like, oh my God, they're going to jack up my knee again. They're going to jack up my knee again. They're going to jack up my knee again. Like, right? And Spot so, on. And so but that's Joe, what he has to get over. Right, Joe didn't right. let it break him. Joe exactly. figured out how do I not, now he still took a ton of sacks and that O-line's terrible. He wasn't getting a ton of help, well, but, but he still created his own sacks. Yes. He still created his own sacks. I'm not saying Baker didn't deal with pressure at all. He did. But what I'm saying is oh, Joe no, I was did say not. Our O-line's actually way better. And I know we yeah, had some yeah. rotation and injuries on it last year, but assuming like, again, let's live in a world where they're going to be healthier this coming year than they were last year. Like yes. he should have a better O-line in front of him than Joe Burrow had last year, right? hundred so- percent. But so, so what my point was about Joe this year is he has dealt with some of the toughest stuff from an upfront perspective he could possibly be dealing with in the NFL. He's been blessed outside. That has helped him immensely. Listen, when you know all else, I can chuck this ball down the right sideline to Jamar Chase, and he's probably going to catch this thing. It's a nice luxury. It's but a beautiful just, luxury. Even the amount but of like, times he just caught the snap, turned, and threw it to him. And then yes, Jamar Chase created yes. 40 yards. Like the Browns 100%. don't have anybody that does that. Like that, that's the stuff where like, you know, I, I, you're all, all those criticisms are fair, but let's be honest, like, and, and people will lie to themselves. And, and I've been saying this, the Browns have been lying to themselves for two years and I, they, they got caught. They tried to like make it work. They couldn't move Beckham because nobody wanted his yeah. salary. And there was nobody of, taking them. And they, they just yeah. sort of had to sort of try to make it work, but they knew deep down they were sort of screwed. Um, so, you know, I think that the, the biggest difference of opinion, I think you and I have is I am more confident that Mayfield's going to get there than maybe you are, but I don't think you think he can't do it. You're just a little more reserved in, in confidence based on the fact that you've just seen him with more reps to do it. The other thing that sort of helps me feel better about this situation, and you and I have sort of talked about this, Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt never, never hesitate to support and like back up Baker Mayfield and never hesitate in terms of like their confidence in him. And there's something to that. And maybe that's just a hell of a poker face and a hell of a bluff that is like designed to do a thing, which I totally understand. But like, and and obviously Alex Van Pelt is going to be working with him in a different way, but like Alex Van Pelt yeah. is like confident in Baker Mayfield in a way that I can't even do. Like he is unfazed. He's just like, yeah, Baker will be fine. Whether it's his footwork, whether it's getting back to his mechanics, like all these things, he's just like, yeah, I'll be fine. Like there's this weird, he's like pulling a Jedi mind trick on me because he's making me believe that, that like they know something I don't because they do work with him. And, and I think, yeah. What, what sort of gets lost in this whole thing is like at, at, at a certain point when you've established that you've got a guy you like with tools in, in terms, you're betting on the person. 
you are betting on what that person is, who they are, like how they respond to, uh, you know, challenges. How do, how do they, how do they work all those things? And I think at some point, like, I think the Browns, even though it's not with a contract extension, and frankly, I don't think it needs to be, they are saying that Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback and we believe in him. And people will push back and go, well, if they believed in that you have a contract extension, there's this weird, and, and we've sort of hinted it, there's this weird value right now. And I, and, and I don't think we quite realize what it is with a quarterback in their fifth year option. And, and I think the Cardinals are going to stumble into this too, is because it does give you a weird amount of options. You still have the ability to potentially franchise transition, whatever, and trade the player if you find a better option. But you also have the ability to sort of go year to year. The last thing I, I will point, the last thing I would say with this whole thing is if Baker Mayfield is stagnant and largely stays the same or only improves a little bit, he's going to be a quarterback that you probably, you might keep, but are always looking for the next guy. And that's sort of where we're at. Whereas Baker Mayfield has to do enough to prove that he's not a guy where we're looking for the next guy. If he can do that much, then, then we'll be fine. If he can't, then th- that's where we're at. And, and, and for some people that they are, their mind is made up, but I think that that is how the team is operating at this point. Get us to a point where we're not looking for the next guy. And I, I don't think that requires more than, than, than as much of a jump as some people think it does, but it's still an important step. And, and, and where, you know, two thirds of the NFL is like Baker Mayfield, Flaws and all is a quarterback. I wish I could coach probably a quarterback. You would love to coach just in terms of tools. Mm-hmm. There's a value in that. And, and, you know, there, there are teams that would kill to have him. So I'm curious to see how this thing all works out. Uh, but uh, I, I'm sure we could go on for longer, but the thing that I'm hoping that the Browns figure out is that their offense could not beat man coverage for two years. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sort of when they had Odell Beckham and he was functioning, like he's the one guy who could do it. That limits what they could do offensively. And you're talking about the stuff with like teams taking away boot. The Browns should be able to operate and have enough talent where if teams are taking away boot, they should be able to, they should be able to take something away somewhere else or create somewhere else. And the fact that they weren't good enough to do that, might be why the Browns are a little bit more confident than, 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 than other people are. Maybe they, they know the, what the counter punch looks like. They know how to get it there. Um, so we'll, we'll I think see there's happens. pressure for all of them to figure it out. There's pressure on everybody. They have to, they have to hit the wide receiver to an extent. One of these guys, they have to do better as coaches. Mayfield has to show growth. Uh, it's all, everybody's under the microscope this year. So um, you know, for Mayfield, for my hesitancy, and you know, you kind of referenced it earlier, you know, for me, like, as I look at it, 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 it kind of laid out what I need to get better. It's just, I, you don't often see quarterbacks who are not calm under chaos gain that. Can he gain it? Yes, it can happen. Uh, it's going to take an immense amount of work to break the habits that we were talking about earlier in terms of like hit them with a baseball bat. Like I totally get it. That's <laughs> what it takes. It's going to take an immense, but that's the thing, Pete, not only am I talking about Mayfield being a guy on the football field to understand himself and mature 
He has to do it off the field. Would if we sat down with Baker Mayfield, would he admit the things we're admitting? I don't know him personally. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. Can he can he be a better leader for his team? Can he be a better guy in interview scenarios? Can he say all the right things at the right time? And he does do some things well, but like, you know, there are some things that rub people the wrong way, you know, going in and quoting rap lyrics after a win or being very surly to, to people after a loss. Like, can oh, the Lions, he grow? The Lions, fiat, Lions was a fiasco. The Lions game was a fiasco. What, what I'm saying is I think if you ask most people around the business because they're not exposed to him as much as we are, there's concerns about the maturity of the person that I think could pop up. And I don't think that that's an unfair question to have sometimes because would he admit those things that we're saying he has to get better at? I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe he would not. I am not here to say speak for him. But like, can we see some growth in him as a person that we can point to? I think there has been growth since he came into the league. But as 26, is he going to play this year 27 or 26? I cannot remember off the top of my head. Like, I just want to feel like he says all the right things that he needs to say. He can avoid some of the stuff where he, he almost is combative to people. And I get it. The Cleveland media is not easy to deal with all the time. But, like, there's just some of that at play for him. And whether people want to admit it or not, he does come off to everybody in the outside world as a dickhead. He does. He just does. And I get that's what a lot of people in this industry and Cleveland side likes about him. But there's also, you know, that side of it, too, where people pull against him for that exact reason. They're excited to see him fail because they have this image of what he, they think he is because of some of the things that he puts on, 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 on camera. So I would like to see some better, better moments of chaos off the field, too, from him. That's just me. You can disagree. Yeah, no, no, no. I, would just, I would just like to see better moments of chaos off the field from him, too. And um, that's a part of kind of what I'm looking for in general. And not that he can do, he can fix all. The good thing here from my perspective is I'm not here to, to close the, the casket. I'm not doing that. I'm, there is a path he can still figure all of this out. It's just, I think that there's like, to, to, to fix the problem, you have to recognize the problem. And I think that's what I'm really trying to lay out here so that I can give my opinion on at the end of the year, of 22, like this is where I have a, he got better. I believe he can keep going or he never really figured these areas out. And that's why I don't feel comfortable. Last question I have for you. Mm -hmm. What is the best way to deal with the issues Baker Mayfield has? Is it to get him as many reps as humanly possible, or is it to bring in a quarterback that is going to take away reps in some type of competition format? Reps, man, you know that answer. Yes, That's rhetorical. Yes. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want the Mitchell Trubisky. If you're gonna get, it's listen. This is gonna be an unpopular take. When they brought Hugh Jackson back and forced him to hire an offensive coordinator, I hated it more than bringing back Hugh Jackson. If you're gonna bring back Hugh Jackson, let him do what he's most comfortable with and call plays. If you're gonna bring Baker Mayfield back, do not supplant his ability to continue to try to do this and get it right by putting somebody that's pushing him, uh, taking reps away from him. They should not do that, in my opinion. If you're bringing him back, that's not how you let get him do calm it. confidence. Him... That's not going to. We're not going <laughs> to no, get the the opposite. calm confidence. It's the exact opposite. The opposite. Um, I, I I have talked about this, Pete, a, a couple times where I've been okay with bringing in competition. The more I have put my brain to it and kind of thought out the long term angle, I just I just don't see how that benefits him 
maybe they think, again, they're around him more. They know him more. They've traced his DNA in ways we have not. Maybe they think putting somebody next to him that they, he thinks, I got to beat the shit out of this guy, helps him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's a good idea for my seat here on March 8th. I don't love that. I don't love that idea. I want him getting as many reps as possible. And if you're going to, if you're going to give him 18.9, be all in with that. Then you can make your decision to move on at the end of the year and, and go for whatever's next at that point. But, but do not bring him back and not be all in on trying to give him a fair shake to figure it out. That's my stance. Yeah. I, 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 again, it comes down to the only way to get better at the things you want him to get better at is reps and, and team reps. Yeah. The way the, con- the collective bargaining agreement is structured, they're so few and far between. And I guarantee you that within reason, Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski know already how many reps they're going to have in team in training camp and how many they're going to try to give to Baker Mayfield versus anyone else. And it does not help you. I, I don't care what level you're talking about, down to the high school level. You want to determine as fast as you can who your quarterback is that's going to give you the best chance to win and hone in on them for that exact reason. You cannot, in the same way that people will talk about, well, like you cannot manufacture, you know, fourth quarter opportunities to make comebacks. You you want as many reps as possible. You want to be able to simulate as many game situations as possible. You want him to have as many opportunities to improve on those issues that we're talking about that could lead him to fail as possible. The answer to that is not, to throw away money on a guy you hope never sees the field. And ultimately a lot of this is hoping that the guy that they bring in, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky or Mariota or whoever the hell it is would beat them out. And that's fine. You're allowed to think that you're allowed to want that, but it it, it, don't tell me it's to to make Mayfield better because it's not going to make him better. Joe Burrow is not going to give Brandon Allen reps because they're not going to, the Bengals are not going to get better with Brandon Allen taking reps. And that's ultimately the uh, approach you have to take with Baker Mayfield. Uh, so with that, um, we'll wrap that up. Uh, I appreciate Jake uh, for coming on. I appreciate him uh, tapping into his experience, both as a quarterback and a coach. Uh, as I said, I think those are extremely valuable in addition to being able to look at the advanced data and all this, because I think there is an extra perspective to be gained, but having somebody um, who has either worked on issues themselves and sort of understands it from that standpoint, as well as being able to have worked with somebody else and trying to get them to fix or, or, or just improve or just guide them along the way. It's a weird process. It, it, it can be very difficult because it is the most individual relationship on a football team is, is quarterback coach and, and the quarterback. Uh, it's, it's a very unique situation. So uh, thank you, Jake, for coming on. Uh, check out all of his work over at the orange brown report uh they work him like a dog uh, and and with that we will be back next week uh nicole is so excited or, or potentially this week she hasn't decided yet she may be so fired up over the combine that she can't wait to talk about testing numbers. but uh in any case we, we will be back
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.